Hey guys, it's Steve on. Um, I wanted to make a podcast because of the recent James Harden uh, news about trades. And um, let's just get straight into it. So there's been reports um, since earlier this morning about a trade progressing with uh, the Houston Rockets and potentially the Philadelphia 76ers um, or Brooklyn Nets. Um, and I think a lot of this momentum was built based upon last night. Um, there's been obviously reports about James Harden wanting a trade for a couple of weeks now, but up until last night, he hasn't really made a public comment to make that official. But last night after losing to the Lakers on back-to-back nights in a blowout, um, James Harden expressed that he didn't think the Rockets were good enough and um, he, he didn't show up to practice today. And I think that was enough to kind of put pressure on the Houston Rockets to kind of get rid of him because of potential chemistry issues and, um, you know, kind of just toxicity that comes with a player who doesn't want to be there and who doesn't think you're good enough, who doesn't show up to practice. And um, so I think that's what's put the pressure on these new reports that are now saying that a trade is progressing and is potentially going to happen today or tomorrow. That's from uh, Mark Stein saying that um, there's a deal expected either today or tomorrow. But um, so I just wanted to kind of discuss what I think James Harden's value is, as well as uh, potential packages from the 76ers or and the Nets. And then Um, kind of the implications of that as well. So I just want to start off with uh, James Harden, talking about James Harden's value. And um, James Harden, let me just put this out there. In my opinion, he's he's better than Anthony Davis. And I think that's purely just because of his position. And it's a ball handler driven league. And as good as Anthony Davis is, he's fantastic. Um, and he, he can, he has handles, don't get me wrong, but he's not someone that takes the ball off the court every possession and is able to create for others, you know, with dribbling the ball. It's mostly through double teaming through the post. And then also just, um, speaking in terms of just numbers and analytics, um, you know, having a player like Harden who is able to shoot more threes and, um, at a higher volume and make more um, you know, threes are greater than twos, just one more point. And, um, he's a fantastic playmaker and I wanted to touch on his defense. Um, and, and the reason for me comparing him to Anthony Davis is because obviously, uh, last off season, Anthony Davis was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, um, and, and future picks. Um, so I wanted to just say like, Personally, I think that he's more valuable than Anthony Davis, and he should be having at least an equal package or even a bigger package sent for him in terms of his value. And uh, I want to talk about James Harden defense because um, there's a typical tendency to believe that as good as James Harden is on offense, who is definitely one of the best scorers in the league, if not the best scorer, one of the best playmakers in the league, um, can slash, can shoot, hit the occasional mid-range, um, obviously one of the best uh, ball handlers. But there's a typical question about his defense. And if the Nets, the 76ers, or another team were to make a deal for him, you'd assume that it, it would propel them into uh, contention or, or even the favorites. And a big question then is, like, in the finals, in the conference finals, in the playoffs, can James Harden defend at a, at a good enough level to allow – 
the team to win a championship. And I want to erase a lot of the defensive question marks on James Harden's defense. And I can use this using the eye test um, from watching him, but also um, just advanced analytics. And we, we've seen, obviously, the clips of James Harden either just like letting a defender pass by or just not trying. And most of those clips were from 2017. But if we look at his defensive rating and defensive rating is calculated and it's based upon making mistakes and, and, and limiting mistakes on defense... James Harden is top five in defensive rating, um, or at least top 10 for the last three years. So, you know, for as many clips as we want to show of James Harden making defensive mistakes, he ranks as one of the best defenders in terms of making the least mistakes in the NBA. Um, of course, I think many people are familiar with the statistic that James Harden um, is always near the top of the league in terms of deflections, um, steals, and then... Um, Something that surprises people a lot, and it is important for a guard when there's a pick and you have to switch onto the big, is uh, post-defense. And surprisingly, and it might sound funny, but James Harden has always ranked for the past three years within like the top 10 of post-defense um, statistics. And it's kind of surprising, but James Harden is kind of bigger built, and it allows for him to guard the post effectively. It allows for the Rockets, especially last year with no center, to be able to switch through five positions because Harden can obviously guard, you know, the guards. And then if there's a pick and he has to switch, he's strong enough to contend in the post as well as possible in order to allow for help defense or, or a double team to force the ball out of the post player's hands. So um, I want to kind of just eliminate all the all the um, hate from Harden in terms of just a player. Um, I think that the way he's handled this trade situation has been um, irresponsible. And I, that's just me personally. I'm not someone who likes when someone causes too much chaos to demand a trade. So I, I don't like how he's handled the situation. Um, but as a player, he's unquestionably top three in the NBA, top five, wherever you want to put him. But I've seen many people say they don't want to acquire James Harden for their team. And that's just utterly ridiculous. He He is a Giannis um, type of player, a Steph Curry type of player. He's in a Kawhi type of player. He's in that tier of players. So, um, you know, we even saw it um, 2018 when he played the Warriors, who a lot of people believe are the best team in terms of talent to ever play the game of basketball. And if Chris Paul didn't get hurt, James Harden and Chris Paul could have been easily the best team ever. They And then they took it to seven, they missed, I believe, 27 straight threes. And if they would have went three for 27 to close out that game, they would have been in the finals. And they and I think they were likely to probably beat a team that only really had LeBron James and a couple of role players around that. So, um, you know, it was very close. And, and you could say I'm lucky to being a champion and beating, you know, probably a lot of people's minds the best team ever. So that's just my um, kind of way to to say that I I believe James Harden is one of the best players and I don't think that we should be commenting on not wanting to trade for Harden for someone's team right we as fans we don't want to say that because I just think he's too good of a player for anyone to question question him and, and not want him so with that being said 
Um, let me just talk first about the 76ers and what they'd probably likely give. Um, so as, as an NBA fan, I've been coming up with James Harden trades for years. And that's probably just because I've seen that the Rockets, I don't think they've been good enough for the past two years to win a championship. So I've been coming up with trades and I've always thought of Ben Simmons for James Harden. Obviously the 76ers would would have to give more than Ben Simmons, but I've been thinking about this for a while and it would probably be like Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, maybe Matisse Seibel and one or two first round picks, maybe even more. Um, And I know people will hit on Ben Simmons because of his inability to shoot. And I understand that his lack of ability to shoot prevents him from being a top player in the NBA in terms of like top 10, top 15 right now. Um, That is something we could see improve. But at the end of the day, we see a player like Giannis who, yeah, he can stretch the floor, hit the occasional three, maybe sometimes a mid-range or a post-fadeaway. But for the most part, he's someone that we would consider, you know, a non-shooter. And um, I think that Ben Simmons has the ability, he's not obviously a Giannis-level player, but he can do something similar to Giannis in terms of just in the regular season. Um, You know, you have Ben Simmons and a couple shooters around him, and Ben Simmons is just your lead ball handler, and he's just guarding the best player on the ever, on the other team every night, pushing it in transition, and just getting to the to the rim and kicking out to shooters, and you're almost able to play um, like the Rockets have been playing for the past for the D'Antoni era of you just have one primary ball handler, even though D'Antoni's not the coach anymore, and you're just able to kick it. It's either going to be a layup at the basket, free throws, or kick it out to an open shooter for three. And uh, analytically, that's that's the most efficient way to play the game of basketball. And even though Ben Simmons is not a top 20 talent, or maybe he, he's close there, but Ben Simmons is able to give you what you need in terms of creating for himself and creating for others and really simplifying an offense. So... Um, that's in terms of what the Rockets would get. But in terms of what the Sixers would have, at that point, they'd probably have a starting lineup. And to increase shooting, it would probably be James Harden, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris at the four, and then Joel Embiid at the five. And that lineup does not have any flaws. Um, defensively, I think Seth Curry and Tobias Harris could be a little weak there. But offensively, you have a top five player in the game in James Harden. You have Embiid, who's been incredible this season. And I think the balance of having someone who's such a primary ball handler, who likes to, you know, take step backs, drive to the rim, and James Harden play make for others, and then balance that out with a post player who's just absolutely dominant, and Embiid is one of the most physically dominant players in the NBA. Um, the balance of James Harden being able to maybe create for the first 16 seconds of the shot clock and see if, if the team can get an open shot. And then maybe in the last, you know, seven seconds of the shot clock, you're just dishing it down to Embiid in the post, letting him work and, and hoping that he gets fouled or an easy layup. And um, that would probably likely be a top three duo in the NBA. Um, there's definitely questions to that, but I, I just think that that team on offense, having two top players in the NBA, and then the balance around it. So if you have James Harden driving to the to the hoop, dishing off to Embiid for a dunk, right, that works. If you have a pick and roll, obviously that works. You know, you have a pick and fade, Embiid can stretch the floor. James Harden can obviously attack the rim. You just have James Harden going iso ball. Well, 
Joel Embiid can step out to the three. And then now you have shooters around the, those guys um, who are just able to make it easy. And the defense is going to have to pick their poison between stopping Embiid and Harden or just allowing great shooters to shoot from outside. Um, and then defensively, like I said, um, you know, many people tend to believe differently, but the numbers show it and the eye test shows it as well. Um, James Harden is a good defender. Uh, Danny Green is a good defender. Tobias Harris is improving. And Joel Embiid is obviously a fantastic defender in terms of shot, block, shot blocking, rim protection. He can also switch out onto guards. So defensively, you have a little flaw with Seth Curry potentially in that starting lineup. But, um, and Tobias Harris a little. But the size of that team and the balance, especially on offense, um, would make me easily consider them to make it out of the East um, to make it to the finals. And then in terms of the Nets are probably the more interesting team to a lot of people because of the talent that they already have with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And right now it's unknown if Kyrie would be included in a package or not. Um, let me make this very clear. If Kyrie Irving is not included in a package to receive James Harden, I will pick the Brooklyn Nets to win the championship. And that's only because I think even though there could be problems sharing the ball between Kyrie and James Harden, because they're both um, ball-dominant players, extremely ball-dominant. They play with the ball for the first, like, 15 seconds of the of the shot clock. Um, even though there could be problems there, you truly in the NBA cannot have enough playmakers, enough people who can go get their own shot. And um, I, I don't know if I'd go this far, but potentially that that trio could make the case to be you know, the best trio to ever play the game of basketball. And I, I, I'm not there yet. I don't know. We wouldn't be able to see it. But that trio would absolutely dominate the league. And I think I would have to pick them to win the championship. Um, so if they were to give a deal without Kyrie, it would likely be centered around Karis Le- Levert, who's been ridiculous this season. He's been fantastic in a six-man role. And then with injuries, he's gotten more time um, to play with the Nets team. And then You'd likely have to see Spencer Dinwiddie included. Um, he tore his ACL. He's out for the season, but he is typically like a 17 to 20 point per game scorer. Um, really good player. Obviously not the level of like a Kyrie or James Harden, but definitely a player who, you know, is a couple points shy of being an all-star caliber. And then you'd probably have to include potentially Joe Harris and Jared Allen. And Joe Harris is a premier shooter in the NBA. Um he he's probably top 10 top 15 as a shooter uh, and then defensively he's always engaged and he's just a fantastic player in terms of giving a team exactly what they'd want for a shooting guard or a small forward just someone who shoots the lights out can can shoot on the move can just catch and shoot standing still can somewhat create his own shot with the ball and maybe a potential screen um, he's just ideal shooting guard or small forward for you know a great team and then Jared Allen is a premier shot blocker um, you know he's he's more of a rim runner just get rebounds get blocks um, get dunks easy layups around the rim um, but that's that's valuable to a team you know that's someone like um, he's not obviously where he was but that's someone like prime DeAndre right so someone who's just gonna be the anchor of your defense, block shots at the rim, tell everyone to how to rotate on defense. He's just going to run run the floor extremely hard, and he's going to always be in good position. And I'm not comparing him to DeAndre Jordan in his prime, but at the same time, they definitely um, 
we can definitely see the impact that someone who brings energy and just all out hustle and physical attributes, you know, what they can help contribute to a team. So he's just a rim runner, but he's very good at what he does. Not DeAndre Jordan prime level, but he, he's definitely a very valuable player for any team. So, and then you'd also expect to see a couple of first round picks. And I want to introduce people to a rule called the stepping rule. Um, not NBA, not many NBA fans know this, and I hope that um, you guys can at least learn something that's probably exclusive knowledge to a lot of people. So the stepping rule is a rule that, that dictates that you can't trade back-to-back picks of your own. So, for instance, let's say that I am the Brooklyn Nets um, organization, and I have my own pick from 2020 until 2028, right? And... What the stepping rule, or 2021, I should say, until 2028. So what the stepping rule dictates is that you're not allowed to trade back-to-back picks. So if I were to make a trade, I could only trade my 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. Okay, so you can't just trade all, you can't just trade like all eight picks. You have to trade, you have to do every other year. So I wanted to introduce you guys to that because there's a lot of people all over social media and whatnot, um, from pictures that I've seen from my friends and and they're just all talking about how, you know, you could include like 15 first round picks in the next like 15 years. And, you know, not only is there a limit on how many years you can trade in the future, but that's also, um, that's also not allowed by the stepping rule. You, you have to trade your pick only every other year. So, um, so that's in terms of what the Rockets would get. They would get those players and picks um, or, the Nets choose to trade Kyrie Irving, and and as good as Kyrie Irving is as a player, um, a lot of the locker room and and off court stuff is kind of um, it's kind of shocking, surprising, and it's really detrimental to a lot of teams. Um, you know, we saw it with the Cleveland Cavaliers before LeBron came there. Um, when Kyrie was charged with the leadership role, he absolutely collapsed, and that team was was horrific before LeBron stepped in there. And we saw him with the Boston Celtics, a, an extremely good team, and he f- he made that team f- fall apart in terms of his leadership and his toxicity. And, you know, I remember when he got hurt before the playoffs and the team ended up improving. Um, and then now you got him on the, on the Brooklyn Nets, and, you know, he truly... He's with his friend in Kevin Durant, so I'd I'd have more expectation in, in terms of a lot of people, you know, when they're enjoying themselves, it's a lot easier for them to, uh, you know, not cause problems. Um, and I have to assume that he is probably enjoying himself with one of his best friends in Kevin Durant. Um, but then recently over the past week, um, there's been a problem with him and he's missed the past, I believe, five plus games because he's been he's just he keeps being listed as personal reasons but there's been a video surfacing where Kyrie Irving is shown at a party without a mask and um you know to me it just scares me because it shows me that maybe he isn't you know at the level that we thought he was like maybe he's not um able to adapt to a new situation and and be a leader and not be toxic in the locker room but um so we don't know what's happening there. Maybe there could be something else there that's that maybe something else could be happening with his personal life that we don't know about and it justifies that, but it's definitely not a good look um the way it seems right now. So if a deal includes Kyrie Irving for James Harden, um at the end of the day, you know, if you're the Nets and you have to do that, you you 
you just have to do it because you can't let a player like James Harden get traded somewhere else and just miss that opportunity. So, you know, if the Rockets are like, hey, Nets, we're about to make a trade with the 76ers, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to top this offer? And if the final piece is saying, hey, we'll give you Kyrie Irving and a, a couple other assets with some picks, you have to take it at, at the end of the day because as good as Kyrie Irving is, James Harden is still a, a better player and the impact that they have on the game is, is just different. And, you know, even though James Harden has probably been um, a locker room cancer the, this past, you know, season with his trade demand, you know, prior to that, he's a pretty quiet guy and he doesn't give you those locker room problems like Kyrie Irving does because Kyrie just typically has a tendency to voice his opinions. And James Harden, apart from this this year, has always been kind of more of a quiet person. Um, but with that being said, it doesn't even have to be about, you know, potential leadership problems or chemistry problems. You know, we can just evaluate and say James Harden is a better player than Kyrie Irving. We can just know that and say, hey, that would validate a trade with Kyrie and Harden. And, um, you know, I don't know why the Rockets would accept that offer. There's been reports that they would be interested in um, that. And I'm getting a couple texts from friends saying that, um, hold on, we could have some breaking news right here. I'm sorry for this delay. Brooklyn is acquiring Houston's James Harden a blockbuster deal, sources tell ESPN. So, you know, live on the podcast, we have breaking news. I'm glad to break that to you as we're talking about James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. Glad to inform you about that. Um, I'll likely create a new podcast and, um, you know... Um, guys, I'm just a little shocked right now, you know, the timing of this, but, um, I'll probably save this, post it, and then I'll probably post a follow-up when the trade details really come out. So, um, I appreciate it guys. And I'll probably post a podcast very soon. All right. All right. So as I said, I would come back after I had a little time to, um, process the trade and, and think about all the, um, all the ongoings with the trade and, and the outcomes, um, so as we were, um, or as I was doing the podcast, I got breaking news that James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it ended up being a four-team deal. Obviously, the Nets were were um, part of it, along with the Rockets, and then also the Pacers and the Cavaliers were part of the trade in order to provide the necessary assets to have the deal go through. So, um. I just want to talk about what each of the uh, teams, what they gave and then what they received and, you know, how I would judge that and, you know, how I, how I see the future of their team. So, um, I'll start off with the team. I'll, I'll start off with the teams that don't really, um, gain as much or it's not really as big of a deal, even though they still acquired big pieces and, you know, so I'll start off with the Cleveland Cavaliers and they ended up trading, trading, um, for Jared Allen and Torian Prince, um, they ended up giving Dante Exum, and then they also ended up giving a second round pick to the um Brooklyn Nets, and uh, that's just a awesome deal for them. Um, it's something that you can't really believe. Um, they also may have given another pick, but 
to acquire Jared, Jared Allen, who's one of the top shot blockers in the NBA, is a fantastic rebounder. Is just a great rim runner, around as long as as well as a three and D wing with Torian Prince, um, who, you know, three and D wings are are starting to become the way to you know win championships in the NBA. So, to be able to acquire a rim running center who gives you a lot of what you know potentially you want out of a modern day big um you know you can either choose to have your modern day big be someone who can stretch the floor can rebound or you can just pick someone who's just a dominant defender and, and can rim run and that's what jared allen gives you and then torian prince like i said he's a 3 and D wing um his defense is spectacular um his three is you know um as expected it's it's you know in the 30 percent range for his you know career on average and you know, that, that looks to be improving. He's still a young player, uh, drafted to the Atlanta Hawks a couple years ago, you know, from Baylor University, and, and you know what to expect from him on defense. And then his three-point shot is already competent enough, but, you know, it's it's ever-growing, and um, you, you'd expect it to continue to evolve, and, and he'd just become a premier 3-and-D wing in the NBA, and you, you can't to get to um, many of that. So to give, you know, that little draft compensation, a player in Dante Exum who, you know, right now he's hurt and he's not, um, you know, maybe he can be your second or third string point guard, but he's not someone fantastic. And you can acquire, you know, two, fant- uh, you know, two nice young pieces, both of who play their roles spectacularly and are probably going to improve in those roles for the future. You know, that's just a great job by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, and then the Pacers, who they received a big piece in this in this deal, um, they ended up getting Karis LeVert in a second rounder, and they ended up giving, um, Victor Oladipo, and then I believe they also gave up a Milwaukee first round pick. Okay, so, um, when I look at this deal for them. I think that it it's very confusing to say if they win or lost. Um, I think that my reasoning for thinking that they probably um, did a good job with this deal is that uh, is Victor Oladipo's on an expiring contract, and it's likely that you know with reports of him being potentially frustrated, which he's denied. But you know after a trade, you'd you'd assume that there is some truth to that. But you know, uh, if someone's a free agent this year and then you know there's rumors about them wanting to get trade off the team you know that you, you can probably speculate that in free agency you're not going to have a great chance of of getting them back and you know Pacers have been pretty good this season built around uh, Malcolm Brogdon who's been ridiculous DeMontis Sabonis and then Miles Turner and, and those three players have been fantastic and then they got Karis Levert and a second round pick back and Karis Levert um, you know, played for the Nets, and when Kevin Durant or Kyrie or both were, you know, not playing, Karis Silver took over the main scorer and creator role, and that's someone in Karis Silver that I picked to be the sixth man of the year. Um, I doubt that's going to happen now because I, I'd assume him to take a starting role on the Pacers team, but um, he's just a fantastic scorer, shot, crea- uh, shot creator for himself, for others. And, you know, he's someone that can get you easily 20 points a game uh, and a couple of assists. Um, defensively, there's definitely some talent there, but, um, you know, you'd like to see him grow. But he, he's just a great scorer. He can probably be the third or fourth best player, um, you know, if there's three great players ahead of him on a championship team. But, um, 
you know, you can obviously see why the Nets traded him because, um, you know, James Harden is just a different caliber player. But with that being said, Karis LeVert has looked like practically an all-star through, you know, this first couple of games. And, and it's not some, you know, fluke for the start of the season. We've seen Karis LeVert be a fantastic scorer for, you know, the majority of his young career. So I, I say that the Pacers did a good job in terms of being able to get rid of Victor Oladipo, um, you know, someone who's likely to leave them in free agency. And, and they're able to get someone in Karis LeVert who's a similar caliber who's younger and who you'd believe that you can build um, a franchise, not necessarily around, but with uh, Karis LeVert. And that's just, you know, a great addition. I, I think that if Victor Oladipo were to have like three years on a two or three years on his contract, I think that the Pacers would have done a bad job in this deal, just in terms of like, uh, you'd be downgrading a player and there there would be no reason to do that. But with Oladipo likely, you know, leaving the Pacers after this season, um, you you got to get what you can can take instead of just losing him for nothing. And Karis Levert is a, a very nice consolation prize. Um, so then what the Rockets got? So the Rockets ended up acquiring Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Radians Kurutz, three first round draft picks from Brooklyn, a first round pick from Milwaukee. Um, that pick from Milwaukee is what the Pacers gave. So the Pacers had a pick from Milwaukee and they gave that to the Rockets. And then they also got four, um, the Rockets also got four first round pick swaps with Brooklyn. So, you know, pick swaps, just to clarify, um, you know, I assume you can, you can tell just based off the name, but you know, you're just swapping the picks of that draft. Um, so let's say the Rockets had the 15th pick and the Nets had like the eighth pick. So they would swap those picks and then the Rockets would end up getting the eighth pick and the, and the Nets would get the 15th pick. So those are, those are somewhat valuable, but, um, a lot of people tend to confuse that with, you know, having control of those picks and those are just your picks and you're not giving anything else. Um, but you, you do have to compensate for that. You do have to swap a pick. You don't just get to acquire the pick. Um, so I'll be honest. For James Harden, um, obviously the draft compensation is is there. You, you like to get those three first-round picks, or, or really four because including the one from um, the Pacers from Milwaukee. And then, you know, the pick swaps, um, they're not as valuable because you have to give something as well to get that pick. But, um, you know, that can come in handy if the Rockets are fantastic in the future. And then it's just like um, the, the Nets deteriorated after having so much cap space locked up to three players and then they all left. And then the Nets are kind of a rebuilding franchise and they're stuck in the lottery every year. Um you know, then you're going to get a high first round pick every year. So that could be a, a, a nice steal for the Rockets in terms of taking something that in pick swaps that not a lot of people find too much value in. And then, you know, that could end up being one of their more valuable assets going forward. Um, but I, I will be honest, um, even though Victor Oladipo, he was an all-star caliber player, um, two years ago, two or three years ago before he had a major injury. Um, and then they acquired Dante Exum and, and Kuroots, as I said, but those players, you know, they're probably second or third stringers. Um, wouldn't expect too much playing time from them, but so Oladipo is definitely the main featured player there, but 
you know, the Rockets are a team that I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs in the West. They're not, you know, the West is so stacked. I think in a normal year of combo of, uh, you know, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood, and DeMarcus Cousins probably gets you to the playoffs. But in a stacked Western Conference, I don't know or I don't even think it's enough. Um, And like I said, Victor Oladipo is a free agent. So potentially, you know, the Rockets who might think that, oh, he might leave because they're not a top quality franchise in terms of, you know, uh, where they rank in the NBA right now. They might have to shop Victor Oladipo to other teams because if Victor Oladipo just walks in free agency away from the Rockets, they essentially didn't really acquire too much player capital from this deal, you know. I like their draft compensation, but if Oladipo walks, are you, are you really happy with just Dante Exum and Kuruts? So um, unless the Rockets think to themselves that there's not going to be a very big market for, for Oladipo and they're, they're just a team who's going to be willing to pay him a lot when no one else is, and then that will convince him to stay. Um, you know, the Rockets can't just bank on saying that, hey, we're a really good team, so... Um, obviously you're going to resign with us. No, they can't. They don't have that luxury right now because they are a team who, you know, is a borderline playoff team, might miss the playoffs. We don't know. So I think Oladipo's a risk there. We could see him being moved on in the future. Um, so that way the Rockets can take can receive players that they might not lose this year and give Oladipo to maybe a contender who thinks that he can, that he can help them win this year. Um and even if they do lose him, you know, he can help them win a championship this year. Um, so I think it would have been smarter. So what happened originally is the Rockets got Karis LeVert, and then they traded Karis LeVert to the Pacers to get Victor Oladipo. And personally, for me, I think it would have been a more intelligent move for the Rockets to just keep Karis LeVert. As I said, he's a younger player. He's locked up for more years. You don't have to worry about him walking away. He's someone that you can, like I said, not build your franchise around, but build with him there. Um, and it's, it's mostly just a team control. You know, Victor Oladipo, I don't think he's too much of an upgrade over Levert. Um, you know, if this was three years ago and Oladipo is an all-star level player, then obviously it's a major upgrade. But after the um, his major injury, he's he's been kind of a... Um, he he hasn't been at an all-star level, and I think Karis LeVert is, is at a similar level, but you'd be able to have Karis LeVert for more years and not have to worry about potentially trading him or losing him in free agency. So I think the Rockets did a really good job in terms of building for the future with having, you know, a lot of picks. Um, but in terms of the players that they're receiving right now, that's not looking to have a – like they're not looking to build for the future – and it's kind of confusing because you'd say that a team who just traded James Harden, who's one of the best players in the game, you'd expect them to get very young players and just have players to build around for the future along with picks. But, you know, we remember the Russell Westbrook trade from last year where the um, Rockets gave up four or a multiple of their first-round picks. So now they only really have these Nets picks. And then they're also built around John Wall and Oladipo, who are good players, but you know, neither of them are playing to an ulcer level and, and they're getting older. So that's not, those aren't players that are going to win you a championship alone. They take up a lot of cap space. So you can't really add to that. You know, you still only have four first round picks because you gave away your picks to get Westbrook, but now you got picks from Harden 
And then, so there's not a lot of youth there. There's not a lot of future, and it's hard to see where this team will go um, or what their future looks like. I, I could easily see them trading Oladipo or, or John Wall because, like, hey, then they can trade for for younger players, maybe some picks, and then build for the future. But right now it seems like they have no direction. You know, you trade James Harden and you probably expect to be in a rebuilding position, and then you got that young player in Karis LeVert who you can build around. But um, then you flip him for a player that's that's better right now, but not really for the future, and you can lose him. So it almost seems like they were they were trying to rebuild, but also go all in. You know, trading a young player for you know a slight upgrade in the current term. Um, that's that's a move that you'd expect from a contender, someone who's like, hey, we gotta give up maybe our youth, our future for a slight upgrade now. And yeah, we're gonna risk losing him this year after this year, but it's worth the risk because we can contend. But you just traded one of your best, one of the best players in the league. You're looking to rebuild, but now you're going to trade the player, the young player you acquired to get a win now player. It didn't really make too much sense for me. So, um, you know, Old Depot's a great player. Exum and Kurutz are 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 solid bench players for a rebuilding team, but. The way that they the players that they received really didn't make sense to me in terms of you know trying to rebuild. Um, but I think they did a good job getting you know picks to to build their franchise around. Um, so now I I'll, I'll go on to the uh, Brooklyn Nets who, um, they acquired James Harden and reportedly also a second round pick. So, um, I'm not gonna go into depth on the second round pick. It's just a second round pick, you know. Maybe they get someone nice in the second round, but that's not something that I'm gonna focus on. But um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think James Harden is one of the best players in the league, and he almost single handedly. I shouldn't say single handedly because he had the help of Chris Paul, um, but he took inferior talent and almost beat one of the best teams to ever play. So or or maybe in some people's opinions the best team to ever play. Um I mentioned earlier before the news broke that I thought that likely it would be Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Jared Allen, and Joe Harris who'd be included in a deal to the Rockets. Um, along with the with first round picks. And I think that the Nets kind of got very lucky in terms of they didn't have to include Dinwiddie. And they didn't have to include Joe Harris. And that really surprised me. I thought that the Rockets would definitely be able to acquire those players. Um, as I said, Joe Harris is a great shooter. And, and Spencer Dinwiddie is a near 20-point-per-game scorer. And, you know, Dinwiddie is out for the season, I believe, with an ACL injury. But the Nets now have potentially um, – I, I, don't, I don't have an opinion as of right now. We have to see how they play on the court. But – just in terms of talent, they have one of the best trios to ever play the game of basketball. And you'd assume that when a team gets that, they'd lose a lot of depth and, and you know, how to fill out their roster. And that's not the case. They got to keep Joe Harris, who's one of the best shooters in the NBA, and Spencer Dinwiddie for next year, 20-point-per-game scorer off the bench. Um, so I think the Nets did a really good job in terms of the players that they got to keep and the players that they gave up, you know. If you just look at the players they gave up, you know, Karis LeVert and Jared Jared Allen and Rodion's Kurutz for James Harden, right? That's obviously, you know, a fantastic win. Um, 
In terms of the picks, uh, as expected, you have to give up a lot of first-round picks to get them. Now, they did get lucky in terms of having the Pacers' help of including the pick that they had from Milwaukee. So the the Nets only really had to give three of their picks, three of their own picks. And like I mentioned with the Stepien rule, you know, you can only trade every other year. So what Brooklyn did, right, is they traded their picks in 2022, 2024, and 2026, right? Those are every other year. But then they did pick swaps, right? So that they're they're exchanging picks with the Rockets in, in years 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. So in between the years... Uh, that are required by the Stepien rule, they did pick swaps, which is which is allowed by the CBA. So, um, you know, for the Nets, unless in, in 2027, which is, this could very well happen, right? You have players, I think Kyrie Irving is 28, but Harden and Kevin Durant, they're, they're in their 30s. And, you know, there's, there's a very real possibility that in the in 2027 or 2025 these players are old and and they've either deteriorated to an extent where they're not as good of players and they can't really carry you into contention in your lottery team or they're not on the team they've left in free agency and now you have a situation that happened with the Nets previously when they traded for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett and, and whatnot and that's a scary situation to not have your pick in to be a horrible team right so you're you're winning only 25 25 games a season but you're not even getting rewarded with draft compensation and that's an experience that the Nets have already gone through but with all that being said just James Harden is a generational talent they're only really giving three of their first you know the other are are the other four are pick swaps and obviously that could be detrimental but um, you feel more comfortable with that just because there are swaps and you still get something back even though you might be giving more and um, I just think the Nets have to be extremely happy. Kyrie Irving, top 15, top 20 player in the NBA, one of the best scorers, ball handlers, playmakers, can literally do everything. Um, you know, James Harden, as I mentioned, top five player in the NBA, one of the best playmakers, scorers, ball handlers. You know, as I said, he's actually a plus defender. Um you know, I've also saw. I've also seen to to revert back to Kyrie Irving. I've seen him play a lot of defense, and when when he wants to play defense, he's he's one of the best defensive guards I've ever seen. Um, he has underrated athleticism. I've seen him pin, you know, a couple of shots off the off the backboard. I've seen him just absolutely lock up, and I think he's extremely capable of it. But does he want it? You know, we tend to think of James Harden as a player who doesn't necessarily want to defend at a high level. But, you know, we look at the statistics and it does it really matter what we think? Because it's when we look at the, his defensive rating and whatnot, we see that he's top 10. You know, last year he was top two. So, um, you know, Kyrie Irving, it seems like he doesn't really care on defense. But unfortunately, he's not as lucky as James Harden as our perception is the reality, you know, he doesn't, it's, it appears like he doesn't try on defense and we look at his defensive rating and it's not good. So, um, and then Kevin Durant, another top five player, you know, it goes without saying he can get, he can shoot whenever he wants and it's an open shot. He's seven foot ridiculous handle and, you know, you can't really get a contest. He's always going to get the shot off that he wants. Um, he's a champion and, 
you get to keep Joe Harris, the top shooter. You get to keep DeAndre Jordan. You get to keep Spencer Dinwiddie for next year. You get to keep Landry Shamit for what it's worth, who's also a good shooter. You know, you get to keep all these pieces. And in terms of their roster, this roster is stacked. And then they also have three open roster spots. So I looked at the free agent list and I, I thought of some names or that I that I really thought could be useful for them. Um firstly is Ursan Ilyasova. He's a player who who can really shoot the three and he's like a power forward. So he'd give them this team a lot of the size that they need, having lost size with Jared Allen and then, you know, wings with Torian Prince. Um he he's he's more of a power forward. He can shoot. He's a good defender. Always leads is close to leading the league in charges, and um, he's just really solid, and he's a nice complimentary piece to superstars. And then another one is Gerald Green, who a lot of pe- people will remember from the Rockets very recently. Um, when he was on the Rockets, he transformed to, like, a very good shooter. He could shoot on the move, and it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he'd shoot it. Um, obviously, I don't think that's going to work in in a system with Harden, uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant I think they'll demand the ball but with that being said he can shoot the ball at a high level and he can also defend well so that'd be a great addition and then I think they should probably keep an open roster spot and potentially trade for Hassan Whiteside who I think will be pretty cheap he's not even starting for the Sacramento Kings and he just would be able to be put in that starting lineup and just bring absolute size because I think a problem with this Nets team now is they have Kyrie and Harden who, you know, as I said, they're very capable of being fantastic defenders, but they, they're they still undersized and they haven't proven to be, uh, you know, uh, Kyrie mostly hasn't proven to be a, a, a defender you can trust and who's a plus defender. He, he's really a minus and, and a liability to most defensive units. So to be able to... You know, if Kyrie gets exposed on the perimeter, all he has to really worry about is contesting because if he gets blown by, he has a, a fantastic shot blocker and help defender in Hassan Whiteside. So that, I think, would be able to help the um, the Nets a lot. And then also Andre Drummond potentially trading. Um, you know, Andre Drummond, surprisingly, I remember the trade from last year, when Andre Drummond was traded to the um, Cleveland Cavaliers, the compensation was, I believe, a second-round pick, Brandon Knight and John Henson. So Brandon Knight and John Henson, they're really not, um, you know, they're not even backup players. They're like third stringers. And then a second-round pick, you know, in the, in the NBA, that doesn't have too much value, even though you could find a star in the draft. Um, so they really gave up practically nothing. So could the Nets maybe match salary and give Vic, uh, and give um, Spencer Dinwiddie for Andre Drummond and someone else? Because, you know, obviously Spencer Dinwiddie is worth more than Brandon Knight, John Henson, and a second-round pick. So you'd assume that if you gave Spencer Dinwiddie, you'd be able to get Andre Drummond and someone. And, you know, with and, and now the Cavaliers have three starting centers, right? They have Jared Allen, Andre Drummond. Not starting centers, but but really good centers. So Jared Allen, you know, JaVel McGee, and Andre Drummond. So, you know, you'd probably expect them to move probably one. And if you can get JaVel, that would be great too. Um, really cheap contract. So you could probably just give him a second-round pick. Um, but, yeah, I think they could really just use another rim runner and a shot blocker to, 
you know, play help defense and kind of bail Kyrie out um, if he gets exposed in terms of getting blown by and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, this trio is one of the most talented, if not the most talented trio I've ever seen. Um, I, I am kind of concerned about the, the combo of Kyrie Irving and James Harden. They're just such ball-dominant players. Um, Kevin Durant also, of course, he's a great scorer, but when KD touches the ball, you know, you give it to him in the post, and four seconds later, he's turned, and he's faced the basket, and he gets the shot off. So he's not a player that really, you know, um, needs the ball in his hands for most of the shot clock. But James Harden obviously almost always leads the league in usage rate, and Kyrie Irving is almost always up there. So if they can just learn to play off of each other, there's no doubt in my mind that this Brooklyn Nets team is going to win the championship this year. Um, I have an expectation to make a podcast of who I think will come out of the Western Conference and then my prediction for the finals. But in honor of you know the Nets making a move, I wanted to come out by saying that I, I do have the Brooklyn Nets making the championship and I do have them winning the championship. Um, I just don't know how you're going to be able to contain that trio. It's just... You know, LeBron and AD, that's great. They have depth, and I understand that. But can Harden and Kevin Durant, can they keep up with that? You know, maybe they're not better than LeBron and Anthony Davis. But it's not just LeBron and Anthony Davis against Harden and KD. It's LeBron and Anthony Davis against Harden, Kyrie, and KD. Right? So it's it's three against two in that aspect. And, you know, for the Clippers, too, Paul George, Kawhi, and maybe you can throw in Lou Williams there, but Lou Williams isn't Kyrie Irving. Paul George and Kawhi, I don't think they're as good as James Harden and, and um, Kevin Durant. And the Milwaukee Bucks, is Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday even close to as good as, as Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving? I don't think so. So um, I really do have to pick them. And then, as I said, I'm going to pick them win the championship, and, I'm, and I am – probably and likely going to do a podcast you know predicting who I think will be in the finals so I I just wanted to explain so I'll be able to give a little bit more in depth on this Nets team but you know for now I think that that's just enough for what I believe this trade implies for teams and you know who how did I think the teams did you know who won who lost I think all the teams did a pretty good job I, I do think that the Worst move was the Rockets giving Karis LeVert for Victor Oladipo. It just didn't make too much sense to me. But maybe they end up trading him. Maybe not. But we'll see. So thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed.